Last week we talked about the story of Samson and how he was a miracle baby, how he was a chosen baby, how he was dedicated to the Lord, even from his conception. And we kind of see that Samson had tendencies of most children. For instance, how many of y'all have ever walked into your child's room and it's been complete and total destruction in there? Y'all ever seen it? Like... A lot of people want to say, and I agree fully that Carly's the cutest girl that ever lived. Like, she's just super cute, super fun. But I'll tell you what, when she goes into her room and she plays, we understand that two things are happening. Number one, she's going to be entertained for a while because she can play and have fun just kind of doing her own thing. But we also know that it's going to look like an atomic bomb went in her room when, when we went in there. And that's just the way kids are, Right. They play, if they get into the pantry, you know there's going to be problems. If they take stuff into the living room, you know there's going to be It's just what kids do. They leave a wake of destruction as they move on through life. It's just the wake of destruction that happens after a child. Well, what we're going to be looking at today is the wake of destruction that Samson left. How as he was living his life, he went his own way, did his own thing. And because of that, there was just destruction and brokenness everywhere, not just with the things that he did, but also in his own heart and life. You see, the, the problem with Samson, even though he was a Nazarite from birth, even though he was a miracle baby, is that he did not live God's way. He did things his own way. He did not follow the teachings and the commands of Scripture. He went wherever his heart would lead, guide, and direct him, and that just causes pain. For everyone. So what we're going to pick up in is actually Judges chapter 16. We're going to be in verse 23. And as you're turning to Judges 16, let me tell you what happened in verse 1 through 22. Basically, he went to this town and he found a prostitute that pleased him and he decided that he was going to lay with her. And then he decided that he was going to fall in love with her and that he was going to marry this girl, that he was going to spend his life with her. And he was just enamored with the affection of his eyes, and as he met Delilah and was with Delilah and spent his time with Delilah, Delilah was bribed by the Philistines to find out what was the cause of his strength. And so time after time after time, she pleaded with him, she begged him, she asked him, and he would lie to her, lie to her, lie to her, and she's like, how dare you make a mockery of me? And see, the flip side of this is, he would make up a lie about where his strength came from, and as he would make up this lie, she would take whatever lie it was and try to get the Philistines to overwhelm him. Happened over and over and over again, and this just kind of gives you the picture in your mind's eye that men completely lose their minds and their well-being and their common sense when it comes to women, because time after time, she showed that she couldn't be trusted, and he kept, like, keeping her around. He just... Dumb, it shows you how dumb men are. Women, can I get an amen? And so we're going to pick up in verse 23 here. It says, now the lords of the Philistines, and this, the last thing that happened was he told Delilah the truth, that the strength lied in his hair, that no razor had ever touched his, his head. And so after being ambushed several times by the Philistines, he tells her the truth. He puts his head on her lap and goes to sleep and she calls someone in to shave his head. He wakes up and she says, the Philistines are upon you. They overwhelm him. They, they not just capture him, they pluck out his eyes and he's left blind, beaten, and in captivity. 
Now we pick up in verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Catch this. This is a super sad, pathetic verse in Scripture. They celebrated their God because Samson's faith, faithlessness to his God. The pagans, the Philistines are praising Dagon because they captured God's champion. Sad verse, sad verse. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand. The ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were married, they said, call Samson that he might entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars and Samson said to the young men who, was, who held him by the hand, let me fill the pillars on which I rest that I may lean against him. He's tired, he's weak, verse 27. Now the house was full of men and women and the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. By entertained, they were just having fun at Samson's expense. He was no longer a champion. He was a chump in their eyes, and they were celebrating that they had him. Verse 28, then Samson called out to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, and on his right hand and on his left hand the other. Verse 30, and Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed with all of his strength and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and they took him and brought him up and buried him between Zoar and Ashtol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. Now, as we look at this passage, there are some things that we're going to understand that talk about really the heart of brokenness. Like, brokenness brings heartbreak. When we read this scripture, it's so easy for us to be like, well, Samson got what he deserved. Samson laid this path of destruction and he fell into it. Of course, this is what happens. But what should be the response in this brokenness and this despair in this situation is that our hearts should break that there was this praise of the God of Dagon because of Samson's fall. Like when we look at this, our hearts should break because pagans were celebrating their God. I never really understood this until I went to this restoration service. And I stood and I had been a part of this process where a pastor had fallen into sin and sinfulness, and there was this process of standing with and redeeming this man of God to a point of maybe usefulness for the kingdom. And I remember being in this town, uh, Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and as we were there, the pastor stood up, not the, the man of God, but the man who was leading the restoration, and he said, I want you to know something. When I heard the news of this man that we're going to restore today, my heart broke because the pagans celebrated their God. 
it was a new perspective for me. See, when men and women of God fall, when men and women of God get taken out, our enemy celebrates the victory over the man or woman of God. Samson lost everything in this moment. He lost his strength. He lost his reputation. He lost any position he had as a judge. He lost his namesake. He lost the promise that he had to be mighty. He lost everything. And the Israelites and the people of God could look and be like, look at this fool, he got what he deserved. Your sins found you out. This is what happens to people in need. But what should happen is our hearts should break because the enemy won in this guy's heart and life. This is not something to be glossed over. When we fall into sinfulness, when we become overwhelmed by sinfulness, our enemy laughs and they mock and they jeer and they cheer. This should bring about heartbreak. Heartbreak is the only response to mocking. Heartbreak should, bring, should be the response when we see a man or woman of God fall. When we see the Lord our God mocked, it should stir within us anger and righteousness. This past week, we have seen maybe one of the most disgusting international crises that, crises that we've ever seen in the history of our country. And I don't know if you saw the photo that came out last night, but it just kind of added insult to injury in Afghanistan. The Afghan Taliban went and they have, if you don't know the story, they have a ton of our military supplies, including Black Hawks. Allegedly, they have a stealth bomber, but they have our uniforms, small arms, Humvees, Black Hawks. They have all this stuff, right? And so they decided that it would be fun to dress up in American gear, American military gear, and redo the most famous military picture that we have. What was there on Iwo Jima is now the Taliban's photo of this victory that they have in Afghanistan. Just by a show of hands, how many of y'all are disgusted by this picture? Any of y'all like look at it and you're like, do something here. It stirs up emotion within us. Can I, can I, can I tell you? That when a brother or sister in Christ is hurting, heartbreak is the only response to when we fall. When people fall into sin, we should be broken over it. And brokenness brings about all kinds of emotions, right? It should stir within our hearts a desire to rectify the situation. It should stir within our hearts a desire to go rescue to redeem the situation, to, to help to do anything. But a lot of times when our brothers and sisters fall and maybe their, their marriages crumble or maybe they get sickness because maybe they drank too much or, or maybe they lose their, their, their reputation or their namesake, instead of us going out and rescuing, we want to point fingers in our self-righteousness. We want to cast judgment and stones on them. 
Please hear me. When people fall in sin, it should break our hearts. And we should run after our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not move on from them. It should stir emotions. Like this week, there's this baby who had been separated from her mother. Mother's on one side of the wall in protection. And there's a Marine reaching over this wall with barbed wire fence and just grabs a baby by the arm and, and carries it as they're trying to navigate these situations. People crowded on the run because they're getting hunted down by these terrorists. Stirs emotions within us to go get them. Please hear me, church. When there's brokenness and sin, people falling away from God, it should stir within our hearts the same kind of passion to go rescue them, to go be there for them, to give them the same love that God has given to us. Verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Like, Verse 28 is a great verse because of the, the power there. Lord, give me your strength and power. But you also see that Samson doesn't really learn anything because he's more concerned about his eyes than his own sinfulness and failure. And I'm just kind of hoping in this that I can read him between the lines and he understands that his eyes are that he missed God, that he didn't see God. And maybe he's asking for that. But I mean, I'm, I'm stretching, right? And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, and on his right and on his left hand on the other, and Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. For everything that's going on in this passage, there's something amazing. Why Samson had lost his eyes, his strength, his reputation, his position, his job, everything he found his identity in, when he was at his point of greatest despair and hopelessness, he got one thing amazingly right. He knew God's faithfulness. I love that in this situation of despair, he knew that his God was faithful. When he had lost it all, he remembered what he knew about God to be true, that God was faithful and righteous and just. Can I tell you, when you're in your moments of despair, like right now, I think Christy's watching as her husband Mark is in the hospital. Despair, right? Last week, we found out on Saturday that one of our church members her husband passed away unexpectedly, despair. And these are not unique, unfortunately. We've had church members whose life would be defined as a living hell that they've been walking through. They can't get out of the valley. They're looking for anything, just a, a, a string of hope to grasp onto. In your pain, and your misery, in your suffering, and your shame, know that God is faithful. And he tells us over and over and over and over and over again, because 
like Samson? Sometimes we're just not that smart. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, The Lord is faithful who will establish and guard you from the evil one. Psalms 119.90 says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and in it steadfast. Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised, he who promised is faithful. Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. When Samson had lost it all, when he was suffering the fullness of the consequence of sin, he remembered that God was faithful. But not only that, he remembered that he could call upon God. See, what we like to do is think, because of my mistakes, because I was so bad, Because I did this stupid thing and then added on that stupid thing and then did another stupid thing. God just done with me. Have y'all ever been there? Let's just just be honest. How many of y'all ever been stupid? Greg raised both hands. How many many of y'all like have looked at your life and you're like, how did I think to do this? What was wrong with me? You're just frustrated with yourself. And you think, I cannot believe I put myself in this situation. God has to be done with me. He won't listen to me. He won't hear me. He won't call on me. I can't believe I did this. Nobody loves me. I'm not worthy of anybody's affection or pity. I'm the worst. You know who deserved to feel that way? Samson. I mean, think about it. His God was mocked because of his sin. His people were mocked. God's chosen people because of his sin. His family was mocked because of his sin. Everybody in his life suffered the consequence of his sin. But in a moment of total pain and despair, of hopelessness, he knew he could call on God. Believer, child of God, please catch this. You have a hotline to God. You can... Always call on him, and it doesn't matter how dumb or stupid or regrettable of a decision you make, God is always there to be called on you. In fact, Psalms 50.15 says, call upon me in the day of trouble. He doesn't say call upon me when all things are just good and you've been glorifying me and living a life worthy of praise and honor. He says, call on me on the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. You call on me in a day of trouble. He knew in that moment he could call upon God, but also he knew that God was a power source. He had understood that it wasn't really his hair. It was the spirit of God. And and he knew when, when he was weak in his sinfulness that God was a power source. And when the, the lights went out, he knew that it was God who would strengthen and establish him by his mighty right hand, in the same way that I could say, David, please turn the lights back on. It's just there, ready. In his brokenness, he remembered God's faithfulness and that healing was found in God. And there's this crazy thing about Samson, a man who had a life and a lifestyle of getting everything wrong. His brokenness brought about honor in his life. It's crazy whenever you think about this. 
verse 30, and Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Okay. Pushes the walls down, they, they fall on him. Everybody in the house dies. Bowed, and with that, the house fell on the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed during his life. Just before we move on, every believer should have tattooed in their brain Romans 8, 28. For God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Samson got everything wrong in his life. He made bad decision after bad decision, regrettable mistake after regrettable mistake, and, and he just couldn't figure it out. And all he did was have a life of pain and despair, and it caused pain and despair on those around him but God is able to work all things together for good, even our mistakes. God can even use our mess-ups. He can use that thing that causes us to want to go into a closet and never share with anyone in secrecy and shame what we have done for His glory. God had placed this call upon the life of Samson to deliver His people from the hand of the Philistines. And even though he kept messing up, when he turned back to God, God redeemed his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him from Zorah to Ashtola in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel for 20 years. His brokenness brought about honor because in his moments of despair and in his last breaths, he turned back to God. And is proven in a couple ways. Number one, he was given the honor of being buried in his father's tomb. If you were a disgrace to your family, you were just buried. If you were given a place of honor, the greatest honor you could have is to be buried with, with your father and their fathers, right? And although he was faithless for the majority of his life, in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs, he got it right. He was buried with Manoah, his father. It's a position of honor. And in Hebrews 11.32, he's mentioned in the hall of faith. Like, sometimes I think that some of these people will put in there just so you and me can feel a little bit better about ourselves, right? Like, if God would honor his name for all eternity... Look at your mistakes and maybe compare them with Samson and remember that, that God's not done with you. And just because you're hurting and because you might feel forgotten or you might feel less than or unworthy, that doesn't mean God's done with you. He's not. See, the honor that Samson had in his death and his legacy came because he had a moment of repentance. A moment where he turned, like, God, I'm far from you. Can, can you imagine everything going on in his head whenever he's leaning against his pillar? He's blind. He's mocked. He's just a monkey that's entertaining a crowd of people, right? Just sideshow entertainment. I look at my life. I cannot believe I'm here. can't even see. Getting spat upon, mocked, jeered cursed, laughed at, but nobody, I'm sorry, 
cannot believe I did this. Calls upon the faithful God. He repents. Changes course. Instead of doing things his own way, instead of cursing his opponents and his enemies, he calls upon God. Honor came with his confession too. Not just repentance, but his confession, Lord, I need you to fill me with your strength because the whole time I finally get it, it wasn't about me and my muscles. It was about you and your spirit turns and he calls upon God. I'm convinced right now there's somebody in this room who's been doing life their own way. You might lose your marriage because you're doing life your own way. You might lose your job because you're doing life your own way. You might lose your reputation because you're doing life your own way. You might lose your fame. You might lose your fortune. You might lose everything because you're doing life your own way. And there needs to be a point where you're like, my way doesn't work. I'm going to turn. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to confess my need for him because my way doesn't work. I've been doubting God. I've been calling him names. I've been doing this and that. But I'm done. I got nowhere else to turn. God, your word tells me that you love me, that you made me in your image, and that your son Jesus became flesh, lived a perfect life, and becoming a perfect life became the perfect sacrifice. He was betrayed by his best friends, turned, turned over, abandoned, left alone. He was beaten. He was hung on a cross where he died for my sins. The innocent covered in my sins died, was buried, and having satisfied your wrath and having paid the penalty for my sins, has risen from the dead. Hear me. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, he died in your place. It was a fool's errand to die in our place. But God, because of his great love for you and for me, did it willingly. He paid a price we cannot pay. And in his death, burial, and resurrection, we have new life. And it comes through repentance and confession. You are Lord of my life. I will live for you. You are my Savior. And the greatest thing about the gospel is found in Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's some of you right now who in your heart need to do business with God and say, God, I don't know you, but I need to know you. Whether you're in the room or you're watching online, you need to have a moment to where you say, you know what, I need God. And as you're processing this, as you're thinking through this, whether you're a believer or not, please remember three things. Never forget the reach of God. Never forget the reach of God. In the midst of our cesspool of sin and the fullness of the consequences of our sin, God reaches out his hand of forgiveness and redemption to us. Never forget the reach of God. He is always ready to receive you just as you are. He's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. He's not giving up on you. He is there to receive you just as you are. Number two, never forget the readiness of God. As soon as you call upon his name, he will be there to redeem you. There's a story that Jesus told about the nature of God, the parable of the, the prodigal son. He asked for his inheritance before his father died, huge insult. He goes and he squanders all of his money. He ends up in a pig pen and then he remembers the grace of his God 
And as Jesus is telling the story, the nature of God's redemptive plan for us, he says that this man, this son, had a moment, he came to himself and he remembered the mercy and the goodness of his father. He said, even my father's servants live better than me. I will return and beg for a place in my father's house as a servant. And the scripture says that while he was a long way off, the father saw him and ran to him. The readiness of God when you move in his direction is to run to you. He is ready for you. Never forget the reach of God. Never forget the readiness of God. And please, never, ever forget the reign of God. Our God reigns. Our God is stronger than any force in our life. It is stronger than the Taliban. It is stronger than the addiction that you face. It is stronger than your hatred. It is stronger than your animosity. It is stronger than your doubts. It is bigger. His reign is bigger than your hurts and your heartaches, your despair and your depression. Our God reigns. And the pressures and the forces of life can weigh down on you and they can break you and they probably will. You just got to make a decision. When everything comes at you, are you going to break in God's direction or are you going to break away from God? Will you move to God or will you move away from God? Will you accept his love and his grace and his mercy or will you go your own direction? Which way are you going to break? 